hashtag Tim and Sid. Of course, I go by the name of the kid. Famous. Wow. This here is the Tim and Sid Show. You are now tuned in. Coast to coast. Edutaining the masses. Sports edutainment. Yeah. It's about to get started. Sit back. Enjoy the show. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Tim and Sid for Thursday, December 10th. I'm Tim McAuliffe. He's Sid Sixero. We are live on TV and radio. Coming up, Sportsnet Hockey analyst Brian Burke will join us. Last week, Brian said that he was concerned about the NHL's return to play. Where is he at now? We'll ask him. Burke joins us in hour number two. And every time we start a show, the folks on the TV side of things ask Sid Sixero, is that how you're going to sit? And then Sid kind of moans, kind of groans, and says, yeah, it's been the same way for the I last I don't see while. any issues here, Tim. I see and zero <laughs> issues. <laughs> and then his, I come up on television, all I see is the top of Six Arrows head cut off. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll be able to move the shot. Hopefully one day that technology will hit you us. You have like the camera. Uh, but, but that's also controlled by other people. That's not just controlled by me. I, other people That's can control true. that, Timmy. I, my head is cut <laughs> off. You are right. My head is cut off, but I've been in the same seat for eight months. Let's figure it but out. If you, also, hold on. If, if you sit up straight, or I'm not even sitting straight. I don't know what's happening here with the shot. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Was that hard? It's fine. Now I look even better than I used to. Uh, also, and your shot was impeccable, Tim. Just just before we continue, week 14 in the National Football <laughs> League begins tonight. Yeah. Eight and four Rams, six and six Patriots. Nate Burleson of NFL Network and CBS Sports will join us. Plus, NBA's regular season, 12 days away. Raptors' regular season opener, 13 days away. Raptors' first preseason game, Crazy. two days away. NBA preseason starts tomorrow night, basically, on Sportsnet. Plus, you got a James Harden trade demand, Paul George extension. Uh, the basketball news cycle right now, Tim... To the surprise of no one, but still, there's some surprising stuff in here. Is rather intense. Seems like a good place to start, I would say, on this Thursday. Tim, a little hoops. Yeah, Grange is going to join us in a flash. We'll continue it. But uh, I want to start with the Raptors, Sid, uh, because they're down in Tampa. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, getting ready. They're a new practice facility. Looks like it's set to open tomorrow. Nick Nurse met with the media today. And the news of the day, seemingly, was... Probably as expected, but confirmed that Aaron Baines would most likely be their starting center. So Baines coming off a pretty good year with the Phoenix Suns at an advanced age. uh, will look to replace Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka with the help of Chris Boucher. So we'll look at the projected lineup now coming into form. Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet in the backcourt. Baines up front, joined by Siakam and OG Ananobi, where does that stack up in the Eastern Conference for you? I mean, it's playoffs. Playoffs, obviously. Um, I think they're better than Milwaukee. That might seem crazy to some people. I think th- I think they can beat Milwaukee. I don't see a ton of depth on Milwaukee. Um, and I know Ibaka's gone. I know the bench is a little different than it used to be. But they have an MVP. I think they're a better team. They do have an MVP. Mm. MVP got to the same spot the Raptors did last year. Um, and Won was injured. in the regular season. Won a few games, but was injured, and other guys had to pick up the slack, and they couldn't. So it speaks to depth. 
So I think the Raptors are better than Milwaukee. Uh, I, I don't know what this Raptors team can do with Joel Embiid without Gasol, without Ibaka in a best of seven. So I'm not willing to say they're as good as Philly. Uh, I don't think they're as good as Boston. I think most people would agree with that. Um, and it depends where James Harden goes. <laughs> like, is he in net? Is he, right. is he in Philly? Look, just, just on talent alone, you got to put the Nets. If KD's healthy, correct me if I'm wrong, if he's healthy, and, and I like some of the other pieces they got, it's not like they're, they're a two-man show there. No. That's a, top two, that's, a, that's a top team in the East or a top two team with Boston in the East. In my I don't care where, yeah, I don't care where uh, Harden ends up. We can have that conversation later. I don't know no. that Philly's better than Toronto, and I don't know where Milwaukee ends up this year because it's such a roll of the dice year. Uh, I will say that I agree with you on the Nets and the Celtics, but I don't want to disrespect professionals in Toronto. No, no, it, it might it might not be about this year. OG will hold some keys. Um, the way he's been trending, I really like. Uh, he could be ready to take another big step. The kind of step that I suggested Pascal Siakam was going to take two years ago, I now would like to project for OG Ananobi in this year. Whether or not that means that they are a three seed or a four seed or a two seed in the East because I still think that Brooklyn could completely blow up, but that's another story for another day. Very the possible. Raptors, the Raptors' projected win total has hit the over in each of the last nine seasons. Take Say that, that in for a second. Say that again. The Raptors' projected win total in Vegas has hit on the over in each of the last nine seasons. Does that speak to the Raptors, or does, or does that speak to whoever is coming up with this projection doesn't know what they're doing? Like, what does that say? That's To me, it's a little bit of disrespect. And to me, we've seen that disrespect. And to me, that speaks to Masai Ujiri, Nick Nurse, and why that whole management team is so valuable and why Masai Ujiri might be the highest paid executive in NBA history soon. That's what that speaks to to me. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a really good point. Um, They'll probably go above that this year. The Raptors have surprised everyone constantly. And Aaron Baines can play a little. Like, again, to go to your point, and it's a valid point, I want to completely disrespect the new guys here. Um, but they're not Serge Ibaka up front, and they're not Marcus Gasol up front. We can all agree on that. But they're also crafted so that they have the flexibility to add Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right, right. We're talking future years. In terms of this year, I think this team will progress. I think it's pretty obvious they will regress unless OG Ananobi turns into something different offensively. I, I, I that, that that's a game changer for me. I think Raptor fans need to get used to that. Raptor fans need to understand. That Will it be difficult crafted... for them, Tim? Will it be difficult yes. for them? Because I think it's a very good point. But do you think yes. all the winning that's gone on? Yeah, I'm with you. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be it's difficult. Be very hard, Raptor fans. But I'm I'm talking to you as your homie, <laughs> as the dude that goes way back in the day, as the OG of court surfing. I am trying to tell you, you have to look at it in two different lights. The Raptors, their win totals, and what they have been for the last eight to nine years, and they have allowed themselves to remain in the Giannis Antetokounmpo sweepstakes. And those are two completely different things, but you have to keep them in mind when discussing both all season long. 
Until Giannis re-signs and says, I'm not going anywhere, you have to keep that in mind. Absolutely. Um, where I, I feel we can pivot two different ways here, Tim, because I, as I know we got the Siakam stuff with Nurse that, he, that he's talked about yesterday. And, but we also have the clip that ran on, on Open Gym last night. And I feel like we, it doesn't matter which clip we go to. We can, we can, they both are appropriate considering what you just said. So I'll leave it up to you where we go. Do you want to blow by Siakam? Because I kind of said something yesterday, and I For feel now, like yeah. that's going to that's be the story of the entire preseason that we can't watch or that reporters won't be in. We'll see preseason games, but we're right. going to hear Pascal Siakam. Because this, the spin on this is very important to Raptor fans, we're going to hear Pascal Siakam looks great for the entire preseason, aren't we? For, for solid uh, 12 days, yes. Yeah. I think so. Unless he doesn't look yeah. great against Charlotte over the next couple of nights starting Saturday, then you might not. But I have a feeling you are correct, Tim. That is exactly how this is going to play out. Wow, great, great new spin move from Pascal and things of that nature. You know, like right. that's going to be it. So right. let's, let's dive into the other part about the Giannis long game that Tim is alluding to. And unless you want to jump okay. in with something else here, Tim. No, let's, let's listen. And I want to give credit to Open Gym because it's amazing. And I know it's on a different network. They, whatever. They do a hell of a job on that, man. Yeah. A it hell is, of a job. It is something Jeff Lanchito has wow. built. And Jeff Rocky and Aaron Terpstra have helped him put together. And I'm glad that someone gave Jeff a shot to tell these stories because basically the Toronto Raptors have their own hard knocks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And as proud as I am to say what I just said about being the original court surfing host and having a lot to do with the growth of basketball in this country, Open Gym takes that to a whole new level. And I think every once in a while, no matter where it airs, we have to stop and say things like this to celebrate things that Canadians do well so that we don't have an inferiority complex in sports other than hockey. And Anyone, I recognize yeah. this is. Sorry. Oh, absolutely. And we'll get into that in a second. But yeah. to echo to echo Tim's thoughts, if you know an ounce about television, anything, you know how good that show is. Right. That is a top right. level production in this com in this country. Right. Open gym. Shout out. So so uh we're we're courtesying obviously Bell and MLSC as we do this, but this did air last night. And in the middle of it, and some fans couldn't figure it out, they dropped in a piece of video of Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, wet behind the Toronto ears, like the early days, Tim, of Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, inside their draft room in 2013. Raptors did not have a pick after the Kyle Lowry trade, so they're trying to trade back in. What you're about to see and hear is Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster in 2013 try and get the 12th pick in the draft and try and get the 14th pick in the draft. They couldn't do it either time. At 15, a kid named Giannis Antetokounmpo went to Milwaukee. We're going to play the clip, absorb the clip on its own. Never mind the context of everything going on here and all the speculation. The clip on its own is very, very good. But when you dig so much deeper into this, this is an incredible moment in my opinion. So here it is again from 2013, the Raptors trying to trade up, courtesy of Open Gym for Giannis. The kid we want to pick, we, we feel like we don't think there are many kids in 2015 that will be at his level after two years. 
Thanks. Bye. There's two deals on the board. One of ours is one of them. He said he looks like he's going the other way. Is our deal contingent of the player being on the board, uh, being there? And I said yes. Hello? Yes. Yeah, staying at 12? Okay, no problem. Thank you. Bye-bye. No deal. I bet they pick Giannis. You think? It might be Adams, though. Or Leonard. Good, bud. How you doing? Bobby Webster. Hi, Bobby. Nice to meet you. Everything good? Yeah, yeah. So he says 2000 and in 2015. One through four, then one through eight, then one through five, one through three, then 13, just protected for one, so just top one. But you can't protect in the seventh year. You can only go 15 to 18. Bobby, you want to call Minnesota? What can we do for 14, though? Same thing? All right, as a sports fan, that's just damn cool, first thing. <laughs> Secondly, and I'll open the floor to you, Tim, take it wherever you want. You're, when, you, when you saw that last night and you noticed where it ran, what kind of went through your head? What was your initial? You know what I'm curious? I want to I know what you think because you said okay. this was, this was jaw-dropping. And I, I just I remember that draft, to be honest with you, and I remember the Raptors saying that they wanted to trade into that draft. I remember the rumors. Um, seeing that, why did you think that that was jaw-dropping? That's legal tampering. The Toronto Raptors and Open Gym have a great relationship. The one thing I also know, nothing airs in that show if the Raptors have an issue with it. Nothing airs in that show unless Masai gives the check mark. Okay? Because they get behind the scenes all the time. There's stuff they can't run. There's stuff the team's uncomfortable with. That's the reality, too. For the Raptors in that episode last night, to allow that to be run in the context of Giannis's current contractual speculation is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. As if Giannis needed any more signals. Listen, let's tell it like it is. The Clippers, they tampered with Kawhi for a year with this franchise. The Raptors are allowed to have a little fun. That clip being allowed in that thing last night that ran on Bell Airwaves was there purposely. That was no that was no accident. That was strategic. That was a message. A reminder. Not that Giannis doesn't know. Giannis knows everything about his draft night. There's not a thing he doesn't know. But to see it, to see Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster that hungry, it was like they hadn't eaten in two days and they were headed to a buffet. They wanted into that top 15 so badly. Well, they, That's what I found interesting about they it. They could have gotten in. Like, there were a lot of picks that were awful in that draft. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Like, you that is that. that 
2013. I wish my son was here because that 2013 draft, him and I talk about a ton. Like, you can go through it. The picks that went ahead of Giannis. Anthony Bennett, Otto Porter, Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Nerlens Noel, Ben McLemore, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Trey Burke. Okay, I'll take C.J. McCollum at 10. It's pretty Not bad. Good play. Michael Carter-Williams. He was the rookie uh, of the year. Didn't James Harden do that thing to him with the crossover? Was it not Michael Carter-Williams that he annihilated? Am I, am I, remember, am I remembering the wrong dude? I don't remember that because I'm looking uh, at Shabazz Muhammad at 14, and I believe there's still time. He could pan out, Tim. <laughs> he was, I, if I'm not mistaken, he's playing for the Shenzhen New Century Aviators right now. So you're right. There they is develop time talent well. Shenzhen develops him. talent really well. Oh, they do. If, they if do. I know anything about Shenzhen, it is that they <laughs> draft and develop really well. They get players second chances. They're very good at it. Do you really think that could sway? Like, when you look into the camera and you do the serious tampering word, people are like, whoa. Legal tampering. I said legal tampering. Well, what's illegal and what is legal in the NBA is a bleeping joke. So I don't want to even walk down the road. But do you really think that that could woo Giannis to Toronto? Do you think he's shook by that? You think he's? Do you think he even sees that? Oh, he sees it. All these young stars see everything, Tim. You know that, and I know that. They see all of it. Every like on Instagram, every tweet, every that post. That was trending every... in Canada. It was trending it was. in Canada. I don't know how far it, it went. Was. Giannis uh, it, was still it, trending today. Didn't have to go far. Milwaukee's not that far. Guarantee he saw it. Now, to answer your initial question, does that sway him? Does that make an impact? When you hear the Raptors were interested with no visual to support it, I would say absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because it's a thing you hear. Something your agent tells you. Hey, Raptors, we're looking at you. But you would, if, like... When, when you see that, I'm not saying Giannis is leaving the Bucks for it, but that's a different, that's a different layer of that interest. When you see you would, it. You could send so that to his agent, though. Makes a Yeah, you could have. And maybe they did. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they did. But... I thought that was a uh, message to Raptor fans. In what way? We've been interested since jump. Yep. I, think Rap- I think Raptor fans don't want to get themselves excited about Giannis Attentacompo. And I think that every day that goes by with Giannis Attentacompo... Oh, all right, let me try that again. <clears throat> with Giannis Attentacompo not signing, every day that goes by... Without Yanni signing in Milwaukee, the Raptors' chances get better. And nobody wants to be the guy that jumps off the ledge saying, Giannis is coming to Toronto. But if I were a Raptor fan, and I am not prone to hyperbole, I am not prone to pumping tires when tires don't need to be pumped, but I think with every second that that contract isn't signed, the Raptors' chances get better on bringing Giannis to Toronto. I, technically, yes, you are correct. My, my, my concern for any Raptor fan is the depth of field also interested in Giannis. Like Miami has another really good year. How does that change the, hard, the dynamic? The Harden is, deal. 
Where does Harden, Harden deal yeah. is going to be really interesting. Yeah. Because I could see Milwaukee saying, we screwed up on the Bogdan Bogdanovich deal, and we need to make a move. And go bring Harden. Like, would you touch James Harden with a 12-foot pole? Sid, yes or no? No. No. And yet. Absolutely not. And, and yet, Miami, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. Miami, Miami with Jimmy Butler. Miami with Jimmy. Jimmy Butler's found a group that that has the chemistry needed to make that a team. Jimmy is an interesting dude, as we all know. Right. He's found the chemistry right with the head coach, with his teammates. They're a team. It took him a while, but he found it. They're a team. Do you just throw a stick of dynamite in there? Who can shoot? The dynamite can shoot, but it's combustible. Do you just do that? I don't know. Does Milwaukee have the pieces, Tim? Do they have the pieces oh, to like satisfy Raphael Stone at the minimum, minimum Middleton? And then what? I don't know. It's, it, the East right now is a finicky, finicky Just animal. think about this. James Harden has been tied to the Sixers, Nets, and now you've added Miami and Milwaukee there. This is going to be a hell of a year for Raptor fans watching how this all breaks down. Uh, Randy at Timmons said it was Wesley Johnson that he crossed up. Wesley Johnson fell. Harden looked at him for like three seconds and then hit the oh, shot. Right. That's who I was talking. That's what I was thinking about. Thank you, Randy. And he stepped back too on him. Right. That's the one. It's ex- that's the exact one. Yes, that's yeah. the exact one. <laughs> Tim, this is the NBA never lets us down, man. That's the one thing I think everyone agrees on. The NBA is unbelievable. It's so um, much fun. I want to get to the Canadian division. And what this means to all the Canadian teams. Brian Burke is going to join us in the second hour. We'll walk through that with him as well as where he thought the NHL and the PA were going to be at around this time last week and where they are now. Because last week he went toe-to-toe with uh, one Sid Sixero. Nate Burleson also joining us as week 14 in the National Football League gets underway with a pretty good game. Rams and Patriots. And the Patriots are still alive, folks. They're alive. So long as they win tonight. Nate Burleson will join us. But coming up next, we'll continue the basketball conversation. Michael Grange will join us. Where does he see the Raptors in the Eastern Conference? Are they better than the Milwaukee Bucks? And could James Harden land in one of those four cities that we just talked about? All next right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet, radio and television. Rusty writes in, Rusty writes in and says, Giannis is going to L.A. You think there is no way they could afford him? Then they can pull something out of their hat. As Sid would say, mark my words. I don't think Giannis is going to L.A. Uh, I mean, I know Paul George will be there if he wants to go, at least on one of the teams, after a huge extension today. Four years. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But I, I, I'm out of the business of guessing on this, Tim. Is it not the most unpredictable thing you've ever seen trying to figure out what an NBA superstar is going to do? In sports. You have better uh, luck I'd picking like to, games. I'd like, to th- I'd like to think. I don't think so. I, I'd like to think that I've gotten a few right over the last little while. I mean, but uh, uh, I, I haven't. Like, I didn't I'm get Kawhi right. Where Kawhi, I got a right. huge swing and a miss. Twice. And a, a lot of people got Kawhi wrong. 
Giannis, this is, I mean, I have, I have no reference point for this. No reference point. You have, you have a two-time MVP. The league wants him. Everyone's made room. Virtually everyone's ready for next summer. It could be six different places. Or he just resigns before December 21st. I'm not even going to hazard a guess. Well, not even going to hazard a guess. Elliot Friedman's beard uh, writes in on Twitter. Solid handle. Uh, the NBA never lets you down, Sid. Don't tell that to Vancouver. hey Oh, Twitter. Don't ever change. Michael Grange, hopefully he never changes and just stays awesome of sports, and he's on the line. Mr. Grange, how you doing, man? How are things? Um, they're all very good, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Can you believe uh, the NBA season has arrived in the way it has? Like, we're just going through the dates to start the show. We're 12 weeks from the regular season. We're days away from preseason. 12 days. James Harden wants to go somewhere else. Uh, Paul George locked in. Obviously, that 38% final three games of the postseason was enough for the Clippers to lock him up, so they had to lock him <laughs> up. Um, this is the, the NBA's fun, is it not? It really is, and it's kind of been on hyperspeed, right? Like, I feel like since... <laughs> it's true. You know, since, uh, I guess, the week of the draft with the 8th and November 18th till now, it's, you know, pretty much from when they announced that they were going to be starting December 22, as opposed to sometime in January, even February, um, you know, it's been the treadmill's been on 11. And, uh, you know, even a little bit more so here in Toronto with the whole notion of the restart in Tampa and you know, typically there's like basketball always moves at a pretty high pace compared to some of the other sports, but you know, there is a rhythm. Like it kind of dies out in August. September's very quiet. And then you hear, you know, you get workout videos posted and, and training camps usually pretty mellow. And then, and then, you know, the couple of weeks before the season starts, you're, you're, you're asleep, right? Nothing is going on. You're dying for the season to start. And, uh, you know, it's like everyone's on amphetamines, man. This thing has been going fast. <laughs> and, um, you know, I could use a Valium, man. I need some rest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Grage here on Tim and Sid. I'm All right, not listen. advocating narcotics. No, we're just, no. We're just, we're just no shooting on your show. the breeze. No, nope. analogy. Nope. Narcotics yes. unless they're medically prescribed. Yes, correct. thank but you for the disclaimer. Yes. Well done. If anyone can no, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen. I kind of like that Sid's not as far along the road as I am on this. And I, you know, Mike, like, I like talking about things, but I am not prone to hyperbole. I believe that the longer this Giannis story goes in Milwaukee, the better the chance the Raptors have. And I'm not, like, talking 2% to 4%. Like, I'm, I'm getting up there in percentage points. I don't know where I would put it, but... I, I'm starting to get this feeling like the Raptors might be the leading candidate to get Giannis Antetokounmpo. Agree or disagree? I would have disagreed before the Heat signed Bam Adebayo to that extension. Um, you know, I really thought that they were positioning, and I had heard through the grapevine that Miami was sort of his favorite destination for all the reasons we could understand why great team, great organization, great weather, no taxes, right? Like, why wouldn't you? Um, but there does seem to be something going on, right? And, and even if you go to the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the documentary that they aired the other night on the open uh, Jim the Morris code, what's that? The open Jim Morris code. Oh, but sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah, I was blanking there. Those guys do an incredible job. An incredible job. They do. And, they do. Yeah. You know, but I mean, they've got like maybe 
not maybe, they have like seven years of footage that they can air anytime they want to. And uh, it just seemed odd that that was the, the actual moment of, uh, of all those seven years. They, they decided to try it out there. If people don't know what I'm talking about. It was, you know, draft night, and it was great stuff. And it was, it was Bobby Webster and his high jury, like, trying to work their way up into the draft in 2015 to get a pick to get Giannis. And, um, you know, so that was just curious. I guess the, the, the bigger thing to me is there better be something out there in 2021 because, you know, another way to look at this is this is Kyle Lowry's last year. Um, he is, you know, for all – he is the franchise player. He, he is going to get the statue. He has been acknowledged by everyone from Messiah Jury on down as the most important player the franchise has ever had. And he's in his last year of his deal, and he's still really good. And so that's – you know, so so, and when they decided to be not too aggressive in keeping either or both of of Marcus Gall and, and Serge Ibaka, um, that was kind of interesting to me. And, and it, you know, that that's a big bold thing not to do is to load up and do everything you can to maximize your last year with Kyle Lowry under contract. And as part of that agenda, and we know based on the way they've structured all their deals is to clear the decks in 2021 and you come up empty, that's not going to look great. Um, and, it, but if you come out, come up with Giannis, you look, you know, like, I mean, you're GM of the century basically. So, um, you know, so, so, and we, you know, look, which, Masai Jerry, which makes Masai's deal so amazing. What's that? Which makes Masai's deal so amazing because he could look <laughs> terrible and just walk out the door. Or he could, like, the ultimate mic drop of all time would be to sign Giannis and, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know, do something, go work for the U.N. Man, whatever the hell you want, yeah. Right. But, but I mean, anyways, I think your greater point stands is, is there's been a lot of efforts to keep 21 books clear. Um, if you figured if Giannis was going to assign an extension in Milwaukee, you're like, what's he waiting on? Um and and I don't think I think a lot of sophisticated NBA watchers would look at what Milwaukee's done and go, you know what? They've fumbled, right? Like they've made some mistakes. And, you know, they don't have a lot of room for error. As good or great as Giannis is, it's not a market that you can just kind of paper over your mistakes because people want to show up in LA. Um, you know, people don't want to show up in Milwaukee unless there's a specific reason to or they've been brought to they're brought there for a specific reason. And you can't say that Milwaukee's you know, kind of maximized every opportunity they've had. So there's something going on. And, uh, you know, how that all plays out is going to be the story of the next 12 to 18 months. I don't know how many months. Whenever. <laughs> Whenever, Whenever it ends. Starts. There's no it's such thing months. as months or time, Mike. It's right. just things that happen. I've lost all track of everything. Michael Grange here on Tim and Sid. Um, the other superstar elephant in the room is James Harden. Mike, what? what? Idiot. Go on. I just think he's an idiot. Off the court related, uh, crunch time related. I think he's an awesome player. I think I'm totally in favor and understanding of players who maximize their uh, their rights and and you know the, the system is is kind of stacked against them in some ways. And so I got no problem with players working their way out of town and finding ways to maximize their careers and do all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a big boy league and uh, don't be naive. That stuff is going on. And, and, you know, if you don't want to be part of it, you know, you probably should find another job, but 
you know, that whole performance he put on, going to Atlanta, going to Vegas, uh, just acting like a clown. Um, if I was, I think he's cheap in his trade value. I mean, I would be very suspect of going, this is a guy I think can lead my franchise, can take me to a championship. Um, I think he revealed himself in a, not a very flattering way. Like winning titles is serious business, man. It is hard in this league. And you go down the list of guys who've won titles, and not too many of them clown around. You know, like let's be serious. They have their quirks, and they're you know they all don't all come in the same uh, you know same flavor box. Yeah. But um, you know. But there's not. But Mike, there's not a lot of MVP. They're serious as a heart attack when it comes to work. And you know, James Harden. I know he play. I know he doesn't miss games. I know. And look, he's a good player. He can fit in anywhere he goes if he chooses. But you know, there's clearly a disconnect between you know. There's a couple of red flags. One is he clearly, you know, got has got other things in his life other than winning basketball. And when it comes time to win, he's laid an egg more than once. And um, you know, so. You know, tread with caution would be my advice. I don't. I don't disagree with the tread with and, caution and, and at I'll all. Say this, again, guys can stumble in the playoffs. I really do think that the way he behaved, you know, that really is the just the, the crux of this. You know, just going out acting the clown. You know, he needs six straight COVID tests now to to even get the work. It's ridiculous. You're paid forty one million dollars. Be a pro if you want to hold out. Hold out. You know, don't don't go in a danger. Uh, and endanger the people you're around and kind of be a poster boy for being a fool. That'd be my take on it. I, I, I don't I don't disagree with the with how the last month has gone with James Harden. I'm not gonna but if you're the Raptors and you're looking at where he would potentially be going, which is somewhere in your backyard, a former MVP and multiple time scoring champion on talent alone is a little concerning if he enters the mix. I'm not disagreeing about his leadership <laughs> capabilities. Okay. But I'm just All saying right. strictly on talent. Yeah. What, no, what team ball. does – But, Mike, no, I, I hear you. But what team does he go to that Raptor fans should be the most concerned about? Like, where can he do the most damage if he gets traded to the East? Put it this way. If he goes to Brooklyn and they trade Kyrie Irving for him, that would be concern me. That would concern me. I think if he goes to Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving, I think that's, you know, I'm going to leave Kevin Durant out of this a little bit because he's a bit more proven a commodity. But, you know, coming off an Achilles. But, I mean, that, that just seems like a lot of stuff. I don't know. That <laughs> just seems like an odd mix. Stuff. Like, I mean, they're all incredible players. I would all pay money to watch all of them play. But it just, again, going to my point, you know, it's winning is really talent. difficult, and that seems like an odd collection of characters to go about winning with. And I would say in Philly, I mean, he's not going to Philly unless Ben Simmons leaves. I think on paper, that's a great connection. I mean, I think that's a, that would concern me a little bit more. I think, uh, you know, that, that combination of Joel Embiid and, and, and Harden would be devastating at its peak. But... You know, I mean, Embiid can only play 30 minutes a night for three quarters of the season at best. And, you know, who's your team leader? Is it Joel Embiid or James Harden? Again, I'll I'll sit and listen. Yeah. And that's uh, what you're saying is, and Kyrie Irving in Boston might be the greatest example of it's not just talent. Talent is huge, and you need it to win. But you also need that talent 
to have a certain amount of commitment and it's not just talent that wins it's not and and, and don't get me wrong like you put james harden on any almost any team that certainly those teams were talking about and um Makes you know, you're going to get to the playoffs you're going to win a round you're going to win a second round maybe but it's going to be gut check sometime time at some point and you know you i think miami and i think toronto the year before that showed how important it is to be cohesive to be committed to be all about business to fight and um you know the track record of some of those guys we're talking about on some of those teams and we'll stick with philly because kd and Kyrie got the ring so you know they can wave them in my face no problem but um you know i'm just not i'll believe it when i see it if those guys uh can you know thanks to james harden can win an nba title the one and only Michael Grange from Sportsnet. Mike, kudos on the Tim Laiwiki piece from the weekend. Um, I'm a fan all the time, but uh, that, that that article was fantastic. Uh, and continue the fantastic work with this team. I know the Zoom calls with coaches and players. Like, have you had enough of that? That's that's. I've had enough of listening to it. I got to listen to it. I love the questions; they're all relevant. But God, I've had my fill of that. I'm sure you well, have. Too. You, you do. It's funny, you know. You do miss uh, being able to kind of develop a little a rapport a little bit beyond uh, what you get in a group. That's why, you know, relationships kind of make this business go. And that's the point of being around and hanging around and kind of gaining a little bit of recognition and some trust. Um, but I'll say this. I mean, the guys we've been Zooming with and Nick Nurse right on down, they've given, they've given their time. They've done it well. They've, they've, they've tried their best. And it's, not, it's, it's, it's just the life we're living right now. So I'm not going to complain about it. Correct. Correct. Michael, great talking to you, man. Well, it's always good to talk to you guys. See you, Mike. Be well. There is uh, Sportsnet.ca's Michael Grange, Sportsnet Television's Michael Grange. Um, SMG writes in and says, tell Tim to stop gaslighting Giannis Raptors rumors. Am I the gaslighting type? Wait, maybe maybe don't answer that. Mm, Well, hold on. Gaslighting, the definition of gaslighting, again, is to just keep saying something until people believe it's true. Is that gaslighting or what you're seeing uh, isn't real? Just keep keep saying something to make them think it's not real. Is that gaslighting? Or, blow, or blow, yeah, blowing up something that's uh, right. not necessarily. I didn't think that's what you were doing. <laughs> that's, but I'm not that guy. Opinion. No, you've never been that guy. But even I, mean, if, I like a we, blue we all... angel as, like, as much as anyone else, but I'm not the <laughs> gaslighting guy. No, we, we all have our moments, too. Maybe I've gaslit before. You know, I've, I've, I had some chips over the weekend. Maybe there was some gaslighting there. I'm not sure. But... Uh, I don't think I don't think you were doing it there, and that's normally not your the Tim McAuliffe mo, as far as I remember. Uh, gaslit, gaslighting, manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was around it. Didn't didn't phrase it that way, but no, that's not you. To answer your question, Tim, that's not you. Still to come, Nate Burleson, Week 14, National Football League, pretty good Thursday nighter, yeah. and Brian Burke as well. Ross Atkins on why the Jays are being talked about so much. Next, right here on Tim and Sid. Sportsnet Radio and TV. Stevie Pete writes in and says, Tim Gaslighter, Sid, lots of hot gas. Give give him something for that. Hmm. You cut to the core of me, Petey. Cut to the core of us. <laughs> Brian Burke, Nate Burleson. Berkey and Burleson 
on this Thursday afternoon slash evening edition of Tim and Sid. I mentioned uh, the name Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He was on the writer's block earlier today with Arash Badani sitting in for Jeff Blair alongside Stephen Brunt. And uh, he had some interesting things to say, Sid. Uh, oh, forgive me. I jumped the queue. Let's play the clip in three. I'll shut up. Three, two, one. It's ultimately the fact that we're being talked about so much and the fact that we are being uh, attached to multiple free agents and even some trade targets. I think it's just because we're an attractive team and a place that you know rep players' representation are thinking about, and that's, that's a good thing for the Jays. Uh, interesting. You know, they're not shying away from their their place here. They like it. They like. I, I think the Jays enjoy being in the headlines. I think the Jays right now enjoying being in three tweets a day. Hmm. And the latest was John Heyman saying Justin Turner, formerly of the Dodgers. They're kicking tires. Whatever kicking tires means, they're kicking tires. That one. Yeah, kicking tires. Uh, interested. What are, What are the cliches of tweets? We We, we should really put together a list. I think uh, I think what Jay's Ross was doing cliches. Oh, without a doubt, we have them. You know I, mean? I think we used it yesterday. If I'm yeah, not mistaken, used... Matty Morgan put together a bunch of names that have been tied to the Toronto Blue Jays, and we had them for TV. We have them for Sonny That's Gray. A That's uh, a lot. Brad Hand, DJ LeMayhew. Sorry, when uh, I said cliche, night... I, me- I meant to say like like ways to describe their interest, like engaged right. in. Just kind of kicking tires, or have spoken to, run at, additional <laughs> suitors circled, for, circled back is another one I like sometimes. Checked in on, checked, <laughs> checked in. There on. it is, the John Morosi. Yep, that's in the Hall of Fame of Jay's tweets this offseason. Checked in on. I uh, maybe I'm I've been swayed by what Steve Cohen is doing in New York, which I think is really interesting, and that that is playing to the media and his fans, and perhaps the ego of his players by going on to Twitter and being involved the way we see it in the NBA. But from an owner outside of Mark Cuban, like I don't know if we've seen that before. And I think the Jays are starting to play in that pool. They're starting to play in the pool where they want to be a part of the action. They want to look like they're a part of the action. And for me, hearing that from Ross Atkins was almost confirmation that the Jays are now trying to play in that pool where they look really attractive, even if they might be playing out of Buffalo. Uh, my, my only, I think you're right, but my only concern with this is, I mean, if we're to believe the Jays have all these feelers out there, and some of them are more than feelers, like there's offers on the table, there's real money staring back at the player and the agent. For the Jays to have all of those out there and still nothing have moved in terms of the market lets you know, and we could, we would assume this off the front, but it's confirmation to me, the Jays are no one's first choice because everyone's waiting on the Mets and you're waiting to see what the Dodgers do. And you're seeing if Artie Moreno is going to spend more stupid money with the angels and you're waiting on the Yankees a little bit. Like that's what people are kind of waiting on, but that there's nothing wrong with that because the Jays listen, they're where they are in terms of the market. They had to wait for Engine Rio. They didn't sign him right away. They got to mm-hmm. wait. But I don't think that's a bad place to be in this market, Tim. You might get some deals. You don't want to, I don't think you want to set the market here. I think it's a smart place to be because Steve Cohen I mean, and the Mets, they might, they, they might do it. 
And I think then the Jays are trying to wait. convince themselves that they're with Steve Cohen or convince other people that they're yeah. in that group just behind the big boys and inching into the big boy territory. I think that's what we heard from Ross Atkins and what we, why we keep hearing them in the news. Scott, God love Steve Cohen, who has never lost a game as owner of the Mets. Yeah, I, I got a never feeling lost this, a game. this could be a little Daniel Snyder-esque by the time. Remember he came into Washington throwing oh, yeah. money around? Oh, yeah. Albert Hainsworth. Didn't work Tim, out all that well. No, Albert Hainsworth didn't work, period. That Steve Cohen press conference, though, Tim, I get it. He hit a home run in that press conference. Mets right. fan growing up, worth $14 billion. As a fan, that's the owner I want. Wait till they play the games. It's roses now. Right. Wait till they play the games. By the way, I want to wish all of our friends celebrating the first night tonight a very happy Hanukkah. Um, now that we decorate our own sets, maybe we've got to add a couple pieces in here. Why not? I, I might I have to get a menorah or a dreidel up yeah. in here. Bye. Either way, happy Hanukkah to all of our friends celebrating. We'll be back with Berkey and Burleson next. Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and Sid Sexero. Muchas gracias, Sheepdogs. Nate Burleson, 20 minutes from now. Brian Burke, mere moments from now. Another jam-packed edition of Tim and Sid for this Thursday, December 10th, 2020. Does the prospect of an all-Canadian division offset whatever the hell else is going on this year in the National Hockey League, Sid Sixero, Tim and Citizens, friends, countrymen? Um, my answer is yes. I don't know if Berkey agrees with me. but let I, And I would even take it a step further. I loves me some Canadian division full-time. Full-time, McAuliffe. That's how excited I am about the Canadian division. Mr. Brian Burke, the one and only, joining us here on Tim and Sid. Berkey, I was going to ask you, am I nuts for wanting a full-time Canadian division? I know your answer on the first part of that question, so I'll withdraw it. Uh, what, are, what, what are the negatives of the Canadian division short-term here, Berkey, that we're not thinking about because we're so excited about a Canadian division? I feel like it's all roses. Travel. Travel. Fair enough. Yeah. And it, it, the people, this is a good thing for one year. I'm excited about it, too. But they're going to play each other like eight times. And, and, and then, then tired of that. And then playoffs, yes. potentially, whatever the postseason scenario looks like. Yep. But how about this, Burke? But I'm going excited forward. about it. I'm, oh, I, I think we're all excited about it. But let, let's, let's look at it maybe past this year. And you mentioned travel. I was thinking about this. Hypothetical. There's a Canadian division. Vancouver flies into Toronto Thursday. Practice Friday. Out to dinner Friday night. Game Saturday night. Sunday off for the Canucks. Morning skate. Game Monday. Fly out to Montreal do the exact same thing over the exact same number of days, get in those games, and back to Vancouver for a long stretch at home. I know it's, I know it's that, different. I know it's a bit much, but it, is that well, something that's worth exactly what it, that, That's exactly what it's going to look like. Yeah. Only I think what it would, it would be is Vancouver would play Winnipeg on the way out, two games back-to-back, yeah, back, then Toronto, then Ottawa, then Montreal. Knock off eight games on that one trip. Boom. Exactly. This year, um, are you talking about moving forward, Sid? If that was the eighty-two game, I was. But if, if Brian's going to agree with me on just this year, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to 
Take and it I'll and put run. my chips in the middle of the table and just say, just for this year. <laughs> if Berkey's with me just for this year, I'll take it. I'll, right. I won't pitch it any further, Mikal, if you read that correctly. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brian Burke joining us here in Timmons. So who's the favorite, Berkey, in the Canadian division? Good question. Well, I think Montreal's done the most to improve their team. I really like the changes they made. And I think the playoff experience they got, the emergence of the two young centers, Kaki and Emmy and Suzuki, bringing to Foley bring in a, a quality backup goaltender, especially in a compressed schedule like this year, where you're going to have a bunch of back-to-backs and three and fours. Mm-hmm. Add Joel Edmondson. I, I really like what they've done. What constitutes a good year? I'm just going to stick with hockey because I'm tired of talking about the rest of it. What constitutes a good year, Berkey, for the Leafs? Well, I, I mean, I think they have to win around. I, I think it's at that point. Um, they have failed to do so since... You know, since before I got here, it was the last time the Leafs won a playoff round. Yeah, I was part of that failure. But uh, I, I think they're at that point where the, if, if this doesn't work this year, this roster construction and this four guys making $40 million bucks, if it doesn't happen this year, then I think they have to make changes. I, I'm surprised they haven't already. But I think they're sticking to their system, and there's some merit in that. But at some point, you have to say the system ain't working. And I think that's if they don't win a round. If you look at the Canadian standings from last year, uh, they were remarkably close. Like all the teams within, if you go point percentage because of the fact uh, that they played um, not an an absolute number of games, it's so close. Like Canucks, Flames, and Jets, 565, 564, 563 point percent. Like everyone's close. But I got to believe that the Leafs and the Habs specifically, Berkey, are happy to be getting out from under... Tampa and Boston. Yeah, I think so, and, and I think that you know it is a one-time thing, and and I, anything the league does, I, the people that complain about this or that, I think it's a miracle that they pulled off the bubble. I think they did a great job. I think this is a great concept. Um, I'm worried about positive tests. I'm, I'm worried about travel. Uh, the players are going to have to be very disciplined, but I think it'd be exciting for this year. And uh, yeah, if I'm the least, I'm very glad to see another opponent in the first round besides those two. I'd also sign Zidane Chara if I were the Leafs. Agree or disagree? If I'm any team, I sign Chara. Well, I, I love Zidane Chara. I know him personally. I think he's a great guy. And he's a great player. Uh, obviously, he's on the back nine, but he can still play. And and I, but I think he's got a deal in Boston. They're just waiting to do it. Okay. Berkey, with what you said about the bubble, though, and how how mm. kind of surprised you were that it did go off, I don't want to say without a hitch, it was a lot of sacrifice from people, but uh, when you see kind of what's going on, and I'll divert back to the NHL, when you see what's going on in, in Red Deer now in Edmonton and with some of the teams flying in here this weekend for the World Juniors, do you have, like, how, how concerned are you on that front from a hockey standpoint? Well, I... Uh... I'm concerned. Uh, first off, I'm worried about the, the players' safety, obviously. Of course. The, the number one thing here is the health of the players. But they've had a number of positive tests, staff and players. Um, the fact that they can get ahead of it maybe and, and before the tournament begins. But it's not a good start, obviously. But I, I salute them for trying to play through it. Like, I think this is a really important tournament. And I think they've got to do their best to stage it if they can. I thought we were going to stick to hockey, Sixero. I, I couldn't. Last I tried one my question. Best. It's 2020. I had to, I, 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 that's all I could give you. That's all I could give you. Uh, the, the one thing I will say about the World Juniors, and, and I've been tough. Listen, I thought 
you know, like quarantining a 16-year-old Shane Wright for 14 days in a hotel room in Red Deer is less than ideal, and then cutting him a couple of, what, two days after you get out of the quarantine? Like, I know that 2020 has been less than ideal all around, but that sucks. Um, I will say this. Every league that has started has had, no matter whether they're in a bubble or outside of a bubble, everything that's tried to get going because of the way the world is right now has had their positive tests. So you, if you're going to run anything right now, you're going to have positive tests, right, Berkey? Yeah, and so they're going to allow teams to carry a taxi squad of up to four players. So a normal roster is 23. And I heard Chris Johnson talking about this today. They're talking about maximum or, sorry, mandatory three goalies per team and a taxi squad of an additional three or four players so that they would, could, if a couple players do test positive, they can isolate them and put in replacement players. Right. Is that enough in your mind, Berkey? Like if, you're, if you were GM in this league, are you, be like, are you like, that's okay, or we, we might need more guys? Well, I, I'd want to start there. There's a big cost factor, too. Now, these extra taxi squad guys aren't getting paid their NHL salaries. They're getting paid a, their AHL salaries. But it's still a, a, an expense to carry extra guys, put them up, and feed them. And so I, I'd want to start with this and see how it goes. This is all going to come down to how disciplined players are and how disciplined the staffs are. You can't, after a game, you can't go to a bar. Uh, you have to go right back to the hotel, have a team meal, go to bed. It's going to be like the bubble. And then at some point, vaccines will kick in, and hopefully sooner rather than later. But for now, they just got to be disciplined. Brian Burke joining us here on Tim and Sid. Um, I want to go go back to kind of on the ice, or at least the going into what you field on the ice. Uh, Bill Foley, owner of the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, said they aren't shopping Max Pacioretty after a report that said that they were looking at deals for Max Pacioretty. Um, I'm good with the owner saying that, but they got to be shopping somebody, don't they? Yeah, Max Pacioretty. <laughs> but the, uh, owner did, the, the, the owner did the only thing he could do. Right. You, you have to deny it. Even if you just got off the phone with the team, <laughs> you have to. I, I had to, the, the only time I felt comfortable not telling the truth, because I always try to be honest with the media, but the only time I felt uncomfortable was I, I would have to say that. Are you trying to shop a guy? And I'd say no. And I'd call the player in. I did this with players over time. I did it with Bobby Holik right before I traded him. I see, there was trade rumors. And I called Bobby Holik in the office. I said, Bobby, I haven't talked to one team about you. I'm not trying to move you. And I said, I'm not saying I won't. If I get three first-round picks for you tomorrow, you're on a plane, son. But I'm not shopping you. Next day, Lou called, Lou Lamorello. And within the next 24 hours, I traded him to New Jersey. <laughs> uh, Berkey, in your in your time dealing with other clubs when you, and and I'm not, I'm not saying you know the Golden Knights are in the worst uh, spot in hockey in terms of having to move a guy but they are over the cap so they got to kind of move a guy when was the last time or when was the time you had a GM over the coals and you knew it and and you and you almost felt bad Berkey how badly you had the hammer on this GM well I remember when I was running the Leafs uh, Peter Shirelli was running the Bruins and and they had a goalie problem I'm trying to think of the goalie's name, Fernandez maybe. And Pete Pete was over a barrel, and I said, um, I'll take him. It's a million dollars, but you, he comes with a first-round pick. So this is, way, this is back in like my first or second year. So 2008, 2009. 
and even then, he we had the deal made, and then something else happened. He lost a player on a waiver claim, and we didn't do it. But we just shaking hands on it, and he's like, "Can't you do better than this? I got to give up a first just to move a million bucks." You know, we're we're buddies, aren't we? I said, "We're not buddies today." <laughs> <laughs> that's just the business of it. Like, I mean, with if you're if you're the Golden Knights, that's what you've been encountering, and not just here, but with with Mark Andre Fleury, like going back a couple of months. I mean, this was this is the type of move they've been trying to make, and they just can't get it done. Do you see a fit, Berkey, for Pacioretty? Like when you think Pacioretty, never mind the salary, just in terms of team dynamic, what's the first couple teams that come to mind that you think would work out? Well, I think any team that has trouble scoring off the wall, like Montreal would, you know, they missed Pacioretty after they got rid of him. Now they signed Tyler Toffoli. The only guy that scored off the wing for them was Gallagher. And so I think any team that has trouble scoring off the wing could use Max Pacioretty. Plus, he's a great kid. I've, I had him in the U.S. program a couple times. A great kid. But I just I, I don't see, I think, for you to move money now, same with Tampa Bay, if you're yeah. going to move money, it's going with high picks. So that's I was just going to ask you that because I think that Tampa Bay and and Vegas are both in similar spots. Like, how are they going to do this, and are we going to see a big name from Tampa go as well? Well, I think they're going to move the lowest price player they can move, along with the first round pick, to to solve their problem. And a player like Alex Kalorn, like a good player, but good salary, that frees right. up like four million bucks, but not one of their top guys. Brian Burke here on Tim and Sid. So, Berkey, what's this postseason going to look like when they hammer out the plan? Like, what are you hearing? Well, it's – I'm hearing a lot of different things, but I don't know. The answer to your question is I don't know. I don't know how many teams come out of each division in the playoffs. I don't know if there's expanded playoffs. They've taken so long to make this deal that I'm not sure they can have expanded playoffs. So if they want to be done by July 15th, you back out. The Stanley Cup Finals is two weeks. Unless they're going to do back-to-backs, you play every other day, and there's seven games. you got to plan for seven games. So now you're back to July 1st. And then the conference finals, that's another 14 days. Now you're back to June 15th. So there's not much runway here. I don't know if they can do an expanded playoff. And if they are, it's probably just a one-game wild-card type thing. But uh, I don't know what the format's going to be. How many teams come out of the Canadian division that makes the playoffs? How many teams come out of each division? Is it 16 teams? And I, I think I don't like expanded playoffs. You guys know that. I supported it yeah. this year, and I would support it for the coming season too because they've got to derive as much revenue as they can. This is one of those things where I, I know they're waiting to do or to make decisions like this based on all the information that we're getting, and it looks like the Americans are now um, giving the go-ahead to the COVID vaccine as well. Uh, former uh, Tim and Sid Global Ambassador John Shannon Uh, Also tweeting out, source confirms that the NHL is planning the private purchase of a COVID vaccine for all constituents involved in the potential upcoming season. Like all that would have to go into one, how you're scheduling the season and two, how you'll schedule the postseason. No, Brian? Yes, for sure. But to me, the number one thing is, and I know Gary Bettman, I worked for him. They would have all the building availability lined up, so doing a schedule will not be hard. They'll have already done mock schedules with different divisions and so on. And you're going to see, like Sid described, it's going to be more compact, more back-to-backs, longer road trips, 
and then you come home and play. And season ticket holders don't like this, by the way. If you go out and play eight games and then come home and play eight games in 14 days or 16 days, season ticket holders don't want to go that often, and that compressed the window. Now, of course, we have no fans to start, but hopefully, and especially if the players are vaccinated, social distancing, seating to start, and then maybe you get a pathway to full buildings as people get vaccinated. But I don't think that time frame is realistic for this coming season where you're going to be done by July 15th. Right. Brian Burke here on Tim. And so to go back to, to what John Shannon had tweeted, what, what Tim had said, again, I, I don't know enough. We don't know enough about what John's hearing here. But And we're in early days of, of the Pfizer vaccine being approved here in Canada. But um, we all know full well what public reaction, by and large, will be to this. There will be a front-of-the-line feel. And I know it's a, it's a report of a private purchase. But the NHL PR-wise, and, and it goes with the NBA and any other league that's going to go down this road. Baseball is going to have to go down this road. They're, they're going to have to navigate this very delicately. Well, I heard the exact opposite because I know what you're saying. Because I remember okay. when we had swine flu shots and we got the, the players inoculated because the doctor said they're super spreaders. They're skating around in a building with 18,000 people breathing hard. They're super spreaders. They should be the first ones inoculated. But someone told me today involved in pro sports that they've been told the – the, the government in the U.S. wants all the pro athletes inoculated because they're worried about people not accepting the vaccine. And they, they want these guys to be ambassadors for getting vaccinated. So this doesn't surprise me. Hmm. Hmm. That's very interesting. One of the things that we saw out of Finland, and I don't know if you saw this story, Chris Johnson had it earlier today, that um, their league in Finland is basically taking a COVID-19 pause. And when they come back from it, uh, they are mandating full face shields uh, the NHL and the PA reportedly don't want to have anything to do with that. Do you think that could be a possibility for a year? Uh, I mean, if John Shannon's right, and he usually is, and they vaccinate all the players, that shouldn't be an issue. Right. right. So if that's true, then no, we don't have to talk about full cages. And uh, I had not seen that in Finland, but i I would not support that unless I could see some real science around it. I think if you have a full shield and you're breathing heavily, you're still contagious. you're still a super spreader, yeah, unless you're somehow containing that uh that breath that spit those aerosols i I'm with you on it. I don't know how it might help a little bit, and that's the Swiss cheese model, Sid. If I've learned anything over yeah, the last we've little while, a few Swiss cheese. you line up Swiss cheese and you hope that you have a bunch of things in place that stop there's holes in everything. But if you line up enough pieces of Swiss cheese, it gets harder for everything to get through. That's the you know only analogy I've understood because it has food in it. So thank you very much for that, Timmy Cal. <laughs> Brian Burke, you like the Swiss cheese analogy? Yeah, it was good. All right, solid. Thanks. I'm glad Did you, you understand it because it made no sense at the start. I <laughs> know. You got there. You got there. Uh, Berkey, <laughs> the, the idea of uh, Elliot Friedman in a blog a couple hours ago just uh, on Sportsnet.ca um, also wrote what he's hearing is initial talks with the board of governors about um, advertising on helmets. And as far as I'm concerned, Berkey, if, if Real Madrid sells advertising on their jersey, if Manchester United sells advertising on their jersey, this is not a great leap. I have not really understood why North American pro sports, to a certain extent, has seen this as taboo. But in this economic world, Berkey, I mean, how do you, how do you not go down that road? It makes complete sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I hate the idea. I've, I've scouted in Europe for 30 years, and those players look ridiculous. The, there's advertising on their pants, their socks, their sweaters, their helmets. Yep. They look like a NASCAR car, and, and it's ridiculous <laughs> looking. And I can't imagine putting a Ford patch on the Montreal Canadiens sweater. 
like one of the most beautiful pieces of art ever put out on an athlete. And I can't imagine desecrating that sweater or the Maple Leaf sweater or Chicago with a Ford patch. But it's like expanded playoffs. I don't support them, but I do this year. So I think it's coming. I think the league's in, in desperate, a desperate search for revenue, and there's a, a clear path to, that, to revenue from that you know, concept. I, I'd rather see it on the helmet than the sweater. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it's a gateway advertisement, no doubt. We'll see how it is. <laughs> once it starts, comfortable with it. Yeah, it's, once it it's starts, hard to claw back. Yeah, once it starts, it's in. And and I I really don't support it. My view has always been in the meetings. What I'd say this to the other gyms: if we're that desperate for revenue, we got to cut costs. Right. That's not a you know. It's like we don't sell heroin at the games either, and it, and it's illegal to sell heroin. But if it were legal, we still wouldn't do it. That's not what we do. And to me, it's like, let's cut costs if we have to before we take money for something like that. His name is Brian Burke. Uh, The book is out, Burke's Law, A Life in Hockey, with the holidays uh, right around the corner. If you have a sports fan, I was going to say hockey fan, to hell with it. If you have a sports fan in the family, or if it's not a sports fan, uh, as you you can tell, Brian's an interesting man. So it's worth picking up here with the holidays around the corner. Brian, um, it feels like hockey's coming. I'm excited. And I'm glad we talked a little more hockey than normal today on the ice. And hopefully we can do more of it in the future. Thank you very much. I'm excited about it, too. Hey, but one last thing. Thanks for the plug for the book. Just for anyone listening, it's not a kid's book. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure. No. Well, I know Stephen Brunt's involved. He's pretty blue about most things. I understand. (laughs) There's a a lot of uh, adult language in here. (laughs) All right. So not not reading it to your nine year old with by a, by a nightlight? No, not, none unless, of that. Unless, unless you hate him, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also a good way to sell the book. Uh, not a kid's book. Yeah. Burke's Law: A Life Burke's in Hockey. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, guys. See you, Burke. Uh, Brian Burke, Sportsnet Hockey Insider. Um, I got a couple books I got to pick up. That one. Yeah, Christmas there's a lot. I got. There's a lot. Yeah, there. I feel like there's a few. Kenny's got four. Like I think Ken yeah. Reed has four this holiday season. I, I can't mm-hmm. keep up. Um, the notion of, of again, Tim, I, I don't know enough about it because John Shannon just kind of sent it out in, in, a, in a single tweet. The notion, I'm trying to wrap my head around that, that wave of Twitter gripe, if you know what I mean. Like The jumping of the that. line in getting COVID vaccines to NHL athletes with the that's the yin and the yang of what Brian Burke said because you know that exists that that governments want ambassadors because if they want people to take it there's they've already got ex presidents lined up right well that to, to me go- that's more effective like that's more effective than Alex Petrangelo taking your vaccine like yeah have have our prime minister and and the leader of the federal conservatives take it I'm fine that that's no have, but. Have uh, have Anthony Fauci I take it. Have, have the presidents I, take it. No, but I think the I think the old person, the older person, I know what getting saying, the yeah. vaccination is different than the young, healthy, virile man who, in many cases, is trying to power through this thing and walking through saying, "I don't want to wear a mask," might be the person that you want selling it, not the right. one that you probably expect to get it anyway. Yeah, I don't want to get – sorry, forgive me. I, I don't want to get lost in the weeds in that point because I do agree with that point that having more profiled people take it helps. Absolutely. The messaging has to get out. No, I just – What I I'm think, saying I think is what you're, – I think you're pointing sorry, to the reaction. I think you're yes, pointing to the that's reaction. That's exactly what I'm pointing to. And, but I also think that we all know that in all of the weeds of all this and which is part of the frustration of it is there's some real 
life psychology being administered through all of these things. And sometimes you don't know what the reaction will be, and sometimes you have to play that game. And I wouldn't be surprised that the athletes become part of the game in order to get people to go and get the vaccination. If, if that's the end goal of it, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I just, I hope it's not a situation where we see like Major General Denny Fortin running the entire distribution of this country having a press conference yesterday saying we're having rehearsals. This is under lock and key. And I don't want to see some social influencer have a vaccine ahead of a lot of people. Like that's how I don't want to feel that. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and that's what I hope doesn't happen here. Because quite frankly, I, even as a sports person, might not be cool with it. But let's wait and see how it plays out. Because it hasn't played out yet. But it's, a, it's going to be a very, very, very oh, sensitive topic. Very. Don't worry. The hot takes, no matter what happens, are going to be out there. I think I already gave you one. <laughs> and, and, and you'll get your chance. And you'll yes. get your chance. Yes, I uh, will. Still to come, Week 14 National Football League getting underway with an intriguing matchup. And are the Cleveland Browns for real? We'll talk about it next with Nate Burleson right here on Tim and Zit, Sportsnet Radio and Television. This is Tim and Sid, Coast to Coast, Sportsnet Radio, and Television. Time now for Inside the Lines, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Week 14, National Football League. Some of the key matchups, the Miami Dolphins have won seven of their last eight games and are in an interesting spot with the Patriots barking up their tail as well. Definitely. They'll be in tough. They host the Chiefs. The Chiefs are seven-point favorites on the road. Uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks will look to get back on track against the Vikings. Tampa favored by six and a half at home. Interesting. Go Vikes. Eight and four Colts laying three points as they visit the seven and five Raiders, who I can't figure out yet. It looks like nobody, Taysom Hill versus Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I know. Nobody, nobody I know. Can. Taysom Hill versus Jalen Hurts is the reeling Eagles host the Saints, New Orleans. Uh, favored by seven points. A huge game for the Bills as they host the Steelers on Sunday night. Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites. And a key AFC North battle in the Monday nighters. The Browns visit the Ravens. Baltimore favored by one point on the road. Tim, can you believe week 14 is here? And I, tend, I, I find myself doing this at this stage of the NFL season all the time. Mm -hmm. As we welcome in Nate Burleson from Good Morning Football and CBS Sports. Nate, as a guy who is, because Tim and I, we've got to kind of venture off in other sports, obviously, and we're, and we're lucky that way. Mm -hmm. You live in football. Has this felt like a normal season to you? I was going to say year. It's not a normal year for any of us. Normal season for you? Has it been quicker? Has it been slower? How would you describe it? It hasn't felt like a, a normal season, but um, it has felt a tad bit slower. It feels like the season is crawling by. And I, I believe that's because of the the news that we get, that we constantly get. It's it's week in and week out. One week, it's a game being moved. The next week, it's one guy getting COVID. Uh, the next week, it's the whole team getting COVID. I mean, I think that's why this season is crawling along for me, because my ears perk up when I hear some news. And we've had what seems like more devastating news than ever before. I mean, this is 2020, so it's fitting, but... From the very beginning of the season, I mean, we lose Saquon. That happened so long ago, it seemed like it was a decade ago. Um, and then you have teams like San Francisco that had, like, 
almost 30 dudes on IR, along with the COVID-19 uh, issue. So, yeah, the season is it's crawling along. But with all that said, I never even thought we'd get here. I never thought we'd be in week 14. Yeah. I remember at one point in the summer when there was no sports. This is before the NBA bubble. And I was thinking, bro, we're, we're going to be clear into 2021 before we, we try to figure out what's going on. And credit to everybody in the league. Um, they made it happen. Uh, there's no way to segue to this other than to quote my friends growing up uh, who once said to me, uh, when you go too quickly, what on? So I will just did we just waltz into your bedroom along with the rest of Canada? Yeah. And not acknowledge that we have waltzed into Nate. Well, I was going to play it cool, Tim. If you want to make a thing about it, go ahead. I'm going to play it <laughs> cool. I just come on. I've seen bedrooms before. Well, let's, let's be this is this is this is the intimate moment where right. we become that much more closer. You know, if right. this was an episode of Cribs, you would see me walk up the stairs really fast and then walk into my room and say, "This is where the magic happens." <laughs> so, so Canada, I love you. Welcome to my bedroom. <laughs> I feel like we are at that that point in the relationship between Nate Burleson and not us. But Canada, where yeah. we're walking into the bedroom, uh, one needs to be acknowledged, and two uh, needs to be romanticized a little bit because we've gotten to that spot over yeah. the I don't know what are we at now three years yeah. the four no years doubt. that we've been doing this no doubt no doubt and here's the thing you know yeah. um, obviously I'm, I'm happily married but right. if the, if there is a, a a woman in Canada that wants to make her man jealous you could say I mean I've been in <laughs> Nate's bedroom so. Uh, <laughs> You know, if, if you don't if you don't get your act together, right. I mean, I, I, I've been places. Yeah, I, I know his decor. Yeah, right. that, will, that will set anyone beers, off. Nightstands. That will nope. set anyone off, Nate. Now, excuse right. me, as I awkwardly segue off that into clearly um, um, an interesting Thursday nighter. Like I know we don't normally jump right into Thursday nighter, but like it's a good one tonight. You got Patriots, you got the Rams. I gotta ask you, there is a chance. It's it's probably not gonna happen, Nate, but there is a chance. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have the same amount of wins when we all wake up on Monday morning. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, it does. Because there, there was the question when Tom Brady left, um, you know, who, who's responsible for the success? Is it the chicken or the egg? Is it the player or the coordinator? Is, the, is it the coach or is it the goat? Um, and, and for a moment, you can kind of waffle either way. Like this season, I remember in the beginning of the year, even when Cam lost to Seattle, it was so impressive that he battled with Russell Wilson. You're like, Bill Belichick can win with anybody. See? See? It was Bill Belichick all this time. And then you see moments where Tampa Bay was looking really good, and you're like, nah, it was Tom. <laughs> Tom's the reason for two decades of success. But when you look at the struggles that they've had since then, it's almost like they were the perfect couple. Like they were that Hollywood couple that shouldn't have broke up, and then once we see them back together, we all cheer. Um, and I'll say this about this game. I know everybody's saying, well, it's the Rams, and and the, and the, the Rams are gonna—they're gonna win this convincingly and easily. Hold on for a second. First of all, I, I know mathematically you have to say that the Patriots are in it, but they're only two games behind uh, the Miami Dolphins. So the Miami Dolphins, with the lack of experience, what if they falter in December and the Patriots going to run? Now they switch places. The Patriots are in the tournament. And speaking on this game more specifically, you can't, what are we praising the Rams for? I, I love them, Sean McVay. That's that's my that's my guy. But don't set up the narrative of the game as if the Patriots don't stand a chance going up against the Rams, who lost two weeks ago to the San Francisco 49ers. 
with a backup quarterback. So this isn't this isn't one of those games that you 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 can um, you can plan on missing and and still think that you're gonna you're gonna get the feel for the game. I I I believe this is gonna be a tougher game for the Rams to win um, than people think. And don't forget, as Nate says that about. Uh, the New England Patriots that the Dolphins get the Chiefs this week, cool. like, right? Like that's uh, okay. I know since we're in the bedroom, um, yeah. we often give love to offensive players, mm-hmm. and I I know why they're more recognizable. They're the ones that have the ink spilt on them because they are the pretty boys. Right, right. But right. we have maybe the prettiest of all pretty boys on defense in this game tonight. So I need to Aaron Donald might be an all-time great when we're talking about defensive players. And yet there's a Super Bowl 53 that was played between these two teams where Bill Belichick did a wonderful job nullifying what might be one of the greatest defenders of our generation. Where is the Aaron Donald, oh my God, he's really good, versus the Bill Belichick, oh my God, did he completely nullify him in a Super Bowl win? Well, Aaron Donald's skill set is off the charts, and he's not your typical. I mean, this dude is what around six foot six one, and he's an absolute destructicon. I believe he's uh, he's the league leader <laughs> in sacks, or he's at the top, and he's doing this from the interior. That's what makes this really special. Like, it's one thing for JJ Watt to come off the edge, and, and you know you have you know guys like uh, Khalil Mack who who stand up as linebackers, Von Miller, but when you have a guy that is in the trenches, I'm talking about the interior of the defensive line, making plays every single game. And on top of that, he gets chipped, double-teamed, triple-teamed, and still make plays. But with that said, it's like Bill Belichick knows how to – he knows how to put teams in a bind, and he knows how to put players in a box. And I think that's what he did with Aaron Donald. I don't necessarily see that happening. I think the best bet isn't to game plan for Aaron Donald. The game plan for Cam Newton to take off and use his legs a lot more in this game. Uh, T.J. Watt, the better Watt brother, uh, leads the NFL in sacks. He's a beast. And Aaron Donald is uh, is second, so Mm. from the interior. Uh, Yeah, T.J. Watt has has some things going on with Pittsburgh, no doubt about it. Um, Let's go to the Eagles. And Tim and I haven't talked Eagles a lot this year, other than like Carson Wentz on primetime not looking good. Like, that's been our thing. Jalen Hurts is going to start this weekend. I'm fine with Jalen Hurts starting, but Nate, against the best statistical defense in football. This is the moment where if you're Doug Peterson and and Jeff Lurie's looking at you with a glare from up top that you just gave this guy Wentz $39 million a season. He, you are on the hot seat. This is the week Jalen hurts gets the start. Seems odd to me. It, it, It does seem odd, but, but something has to give like we've been watching this Eagles offense struggle all year now offensive line has been inconsistent the wide receiver play and i just hate dogging teams and players but the wide receivers for the eagles they're not giving carson anything so they had to make this move i think it was less about who's on the schedule and making a move right now for a couple reasons one carson wentz has um proved to be a dude that tries to do too much every play is an heroic play you can ever just like just eat it. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I get it. That's the, that's the playmaker in him. And then when Jalen Hurts got in the game, they had a juice. They had this, this, this sauce, this flavor. He throws a touchdown. And even they had a chance towards the end, I believe it was Fulgham who, uh, Fulgham who dropped the ball on the left sideline, and then they ended up losing the game. 
But I think more than just like them benching Wentz, this is also what is what is Jalen Hurts like? What 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 do you have in this product? Like, what are we gonna do? Just play Wentz and and give him the excuse and say it's been a rough year for all of us and we're gonna come back next year? Or do you figure out a way to look at one Wentz and see if he's your future, which he is? They paid him too much money, and then look at Jalen Hurts and say this is the guy moving forward. With the success of Taysom Hill in in New Orleans. With the success of Lamar Jackson, what he's done over the last couple of years. And I'm just naming guys that are good passers and great runners. With the success that that the athletic quarterbacks are now having in this league, the Kyler Murray's dating back all the way to Cam Newton when he was doing his thing in 2015. Maybe they're looking at Jaden Hurst saying, all right, it's either now or never to figure out if this guy is that dude. Nate Burleson joining us here on Tim and Sid, as he uh, usually does on Thursdays. Uh, you mentioned Lamar Jackson, and it feels like the Browns could break down a hammer on the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night. Do you think the Browns are in that spot where they could pull this off and put a real dent in what Baltimore is attempting to do this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. more more now than ever. I, I, I'm a believer in the Browns. Um, and this is more about the Browns having a rhythm, playing consistently, and then also having two very good running backs, like dominant running backs. You have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and they're thunder and thunder. There's no thunder and lightning. There's no big, small. There's no quick guy versus the bruiser. They bring the same type of punch, a haymaker when they run. Um, and, and that's the type of game that you need when you're playing against the Baltimore Ravens, like because the Baltimore Ravens are based off of the run. Now, Baker Mayfield plays like he did last weekend, moving forward. Forget about them just having a good December. We could see these guys in Tampa. And that type of run game travels. It travels on the road. It travels to any weather. It travels to any stadium. So that's why I like what the Browns are doing. This is the ultimate moment of the Browns being that little brother and the Ravens being the big bro for so long. The Browns finally got a little hair on their chest. And and, and they, their voice is a little deeper. They're walking in the kitchen. And the Browns bump the Ravens' shoulder. He's like, bro, watch out. Ravens looks at him and says, little bro, chill, you don't want this. Browns is like, no, nah, actually, I do want this. As a matter of fact, I've been waiting on this. What's up? You want to go in the backyard and tussle? They <laughs> go out back, and the little brother Browns beats the brakes off of big brother Ravens. I got it all out. I feel like that could be it. <laughs> I honestly feel like there's – and then the reason, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about this is because – I've been there. I know what this is like. I know what interdivision rivalry is like, and I know what it's like to be a big brother in division. I know what it's like to be a little brother facing Brett Favre and knowing, like, if we don't beat these guys, they're always going to give us wet willies and noogies. I know what it's like <laughs> within the division to be the little brother. And right now the Browns are desperately wanting to show everybody that we're no longer the little brothers and you can't push us around the house. In the two minutes, Nate, we got left with you, and and we kind of mentioned it uh, before we came on here. Um, you interviewed Wonder Woman this week for Extra. Yeah, Gal Gadot, correct? Gal Gadot. Yeah. Gal Gadot. It was a fantastic interview. You got family involved. It was great. Who, in your opinion right now, is Superman in the National Football League? Who's the lead <sighs> Avenger? Who is the superhero right now in the league that can do no wrong and is there to save the day? I, 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 was, I would say it was Derrick Henry a few weeks ago, I, I called him the most significant player in the NFL. After him getting shut down, I can't give him that title. Pat Mahomes, he's fantastic, but he's also had moments where, you know, he just looked all right. Um, wow. Devontae Adams is my answer. Wow. And, and, and I, I want to say Devontae Adams. I want to say Devontae Adams because it, it's, it's harder to 
to convince the world that Devontae Adams is that when I can easily just say Aaron Rodgers. Anybody like, yeah, you're right, Aaron Rodgers is good. But I'll say this. We've seen Aaron Rodgers play without Devontae. That offense doesn't have the same flow. That team doesn't look the same. Correct. When Devontae's on the field with Aaron Rodgers, it's a whole different ball game. Aaron Rodgers has had moments this year where he didn't look like an MVP. Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes. It's been fluid in that conversation, right? There hasn't been a moment this year when Devontae Adams was on the field that we haven't said he's the best receiver in the game. Nobody's come close. Not Julio, not Michael Thomas. He had his own issues this year. Devontae Adams is the most consistent player in the NFL. Wow. With my money down on DeAndre Hopkins for MVP, which uh, <laughs> I did at the start of the year, it hurts me to agree Doesn't mean with it's a bad right bet, McCall. Doesn't mean you know, it's a bad bet. I, I, I rolled Doesn't the mean dice. Roll the dice, but it hurts me to agree with, with Nate Burleson now, but I got to do it. <laughs> All right, well, let's put that debate to bed. Hey. And uh, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. Hey, appreciate you guys, man. Nate Burleson. In week 14 in the National Football League. Anything jump out at you that we didn't get Vikings. to? Vikings. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the betting that we're looking at here on the visual side. Forgive me. I was looking at the lines. <laughs> like, like the Vikings, the Vikings. This week. You think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could miss the playoffs? And if they do, what happens? Oh, my God. I hadn't even, I hadn't even be- begun to contemplate that scenario until you just mentioned it. I had it, I had it for Nate. And I was going to bring it up, uh, but we ran out of time. With them. Man, let me give you their let me give you their schedule though. Before Please you, Please do. Uh, so they got mini. That's an interesting matchup. Then it's at Detroit. Excuse me, at Atlanta, at Detroit versus Atlanta. They're making the playoffs. That's not the best schedule. That's not check that. That's not the most difficult schedule. That's that's very yeah. manageable. Uh, even considering they're not the perfect team, even considering we're entering week 14, Tim, and, and here here we are still in a certain way talking about the chemistry and the feel and, and, and where Tom Brady is with his guys and how Mike Evans is this really good talent but for some reason can't kind of get on the same page all the time with his quarterback. And it's not just a Jameis Winston thing, right? Like maybe we got to look at Mike Evans a little bit. Although Evans has been banged up this year, I, I grant you. Um, they're going to make the playoffs. Does anyone really think they're making that run? With some of the other teams right now in the NFC and the way New Orleans without Mm. Drew Brees. Now, they also played Denver without a quarterback. But New Orleans without Drew Brees (laughs) are sitting there. Aaron Rodgers is angry at the world. He's angry at his own organization for that draft pick they made. And he's playing like it. Seattle, I know Russell Wilson's been in a funk. I still kind of, for some reason, I trust them when when it comes to the postseason. At least they'll get a win. I, I don't look at Tampa right now as that, well, that's that's at least NFC title game. I don't. Brady always scares me. Uh, David writes in and says, man, it's always a treat. At Nate Burleson on Tim and Sid. Michael writes in and says, I don't know who is better. Nate Burleson or Brian Burke, both are outstanding. And all caps, outstanding. Agreed. When we come back, we will discuss another blow to Italian soccer. And that for those that were around for this one, uh, this is tough. We will discuss it next right here on Tim and Sid, Coast to Coast Sportsnet and Sportsnet Radio and TV.
both mentioned it before the break here on Tim and Sid. It's been a tough couple of weeks for soccer fans, and specifically, Sid, Italian soccer fans, yeah. as Italy lost another legend, Paolo Rossi, dies at the age of 64. And you and I, um, and we've mentioned this numerous times here, we, let's just say we know a lot of Italian guys. Like, we grew up with, uh, with a lot of dudes in this country whose parents, or one of their parents, was from the motherland. And soccer is in their DNA. It's in their blood. And the story of Paolo Rossi is really interesting. A striker, a lot of talent, Tim. Um, scored a lot of goals in Italy. But he was also involved in a match-fixing scandal that still to this day is one of the most notorious in the history of Italy. Mm -hmm. And he was a part of that. And he was suspended for three years. Three years without soccer. He missed the 1980 European Championship. Obviously, he didn't play for Italy in 81, and he was scheduled to miss um, the 82 World Cup. It just so happened his three-year suspension was cut down to two, Tim. Mm -hmm. And he was selected for that 82 team. And a lot of people in the media were like, what are you doing? He hasn't played for two years. And he went the first four games without scoring. Tim, in the last three games of that tournament, he scored six goals for Italy. He won them the tournament. Yeah. He scored a hat trick in what was essentially it was a, like a group second-round game. They had groups of three. Italy had to beat Brazil. It was one of the greatest games ever played. Rossi had a hat-trick in that game. They won 3-2. He scored two goals against Poland, uh, Ziggy Banyak and company in the semi, and he scored this goal against West Germany in the Bernabeu in Madrid to win. And like Maradona a couple of weeks ago, Tim, if we can go back to that conversation just for a yeah. second, and again, I appreciated you and everyone for letting me jump on that day. Um, it was kind of a, f a flash moment that defined his career. It happened with Maradona. It wasn't very long. And it was that 82 World Cup for Paolo Rossi was shooting star stuff. If you missed it, you were out of luck because it was brilliance. It was absolute get on my back. We're going to win this damn tournament in Spain with all of the criticism. You shouldn't have brought him. You should, he shouldn't be on the team. The Azuri should not have taken him to Spain. It's one of the great individual stretches I've ever seen in the sport. And for Italian soccer fans, he is that guy. He is, he is a flawed character, much like Maradona, Tim, that conversation we had. Flawed, yep. was not perfect, messed up, but for certain moments, he provided memories that a lot of people you and I know will cherish forever. And I can still, you can still go, if you're in the Toronto area, an old City News live eye of, the, of, <laughs> of St. Clair in 1982, of what Toronto looked like. when Because Italy hadn't won a World Cup since the 30s before this. This was a long wait. This was, a, this was a big one. 2006 was important. This was bigger. So just uh, condolences to uh, all Italian soccer fans out there. That, this one cut deep. Paolo Rossi, 64 years old. He was the man. He was the man. I was, uh, as you were talking, I was kind of scrambling, and I should have thought of this earlier because I knew that you wanted to talk about Rossi. And you and I were around. I was a little older than you when that happened. And I remember uh, the celebrations that took place in the city of Toronto when they won in 82. And I wish I it looked like the Raptors winning, like St. Clair looked like, lines, the, yeah. looked like the Raptors winning the NBA title. It was an unbelievable celebration uh, that was tipped off in, in the city of Toronto specifically. Uh, and I, I remember as a kid riding my bike and seeing, I, I'm, I'm not going to say what kind of car it was, but there was a few fuzzy dice with a little T-roof 
and the flag coming out the top, if you know what I'm talking about, 6 0. I'll never forget it along Victoria Park in Toronto and thinking, like, we were nowhere near St. Clair, and yet still flags up and down Victoria Park on the Scarborough North York border. Timmy, forgive me one last thing. My dad has, has gone to a guy named Aldo for his haircuts here in uh, Mississauga, in Ontario, forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whenever, whenever the conversation turns to soccer, uh, wh- whatever the disagreement, Aldo, the barber, would turn to the wall where there was a picture <laughs> yeah. of, you know, the pictures before the games where they kind of, it's just yeah. like f- five guys in the back, the old school with the, mm-hmm. with, the, with the gift. He turned to it, and it was, it was Italy from 82, and he goes, but he wasn't Paolo Rossi. And he would just point every time. <laughs> yeah. That was his mic drop to every soccer fight in yeah. the barbershop. Shout out to Aldo. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yes, it was, it's, it's also worth remembering. Hell of a player. A lot of great memories. Hell of a player. Have, have you ever read the book, uh, The Miracle of Castel de Sangro? Which nope. is, no. Joe McInnes wrote a book about following this team that makes this run from, like, the sixth division to Serie B in Italy. And it speak like when you say max match fixing, people like oh, my, but the way it's embedded in Italian soccer is, and I'm not being facetious, I'm not being mean. If you read this book, the the miracle of Castel de Sangro, it is unbelievable how embedded, and we saw it in our generation with Juve. Juve was dropped. Yeah, that was a, that, and that and that was involving referees as well. It was it was a little it was slightly different, but it was nefarious nonetheless. I know what you're saying. Like it right. still happens. And it's just it's crazy how embedded it is. Like there's just a different way to look at football in Italy, and Paolo Rossi is such a central figure in all of that. And until you actually understand it, you don't know what it's really like. And that's what this book, Joe McGinnis, goes into Italy. What was the and title? Everyone again? just says, uh, The Miracle of Castel di Sangro. I finished it. I can hand it to you. Castel I can't hand it to everybody. But it just, it is, uh, it's called A Tale of Passion and Folly in the Heart of Italy. Okay. Does, is, it, is the Italian audiobook available on Spotify? No, you got to read it. You <laughs> got to read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. <laughs> Uh, Tim, thanks for the time on that. That was, but Paolo Rossi was a hell of a figure, man. I appreciate a couple minutes. That's you're not going to hear that in a lot. Oh of no, shows me today. too. That was good. That's yeah, good. me too. Uh, all right, that does it for us. So we have one more countdown to kick off. We'll come your way tomorrow as uh, we wrap up another week here on Tim and Sid. We always appreciate you joining us, and uh, appreciate when you do your part, kids. So don't forget to always I wash your hands. Always, always got to do it. Wash your hands and wash We're not done. your hands. It's not over. Washing your not hands. Not over. Long washing road. We'll get there. Washing your hands. Take care.